what you want, when you want it, where you want it. This is The Mesh. Foot Candle Films. Film news and reviews from two guys who really like movies. This episode is brought to you by the Foot Candle Film Society. For a schedule of upcoming screenings and membership information, visit the Society's website at www.footcandle.org. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Foot Candle Films here on TheMesh.TV. My name is Alan Jackson. I am a co-director and the co-founder of the Foot Candle Film Society and our annual Foot Candle Film Festival right here in Western North Carolina, across the uh, ta- across, I was going to say across the street, you're not that <laughs> far away, just across the table, yeah. is uh, the other co-founder and co-director with me in those organizations and the co-host for the show, Chris Fry. Chris, how are you doing? I am doing well. I am fresh back from vacation. Actually, I went to Disney World. I saw Dis- the Jungle Cruise but it had a really long line, and I said, you know what? I've done that ride before. I'll go do something else. <laughs> well, as Chris just kind of teased, that will be one of the two films that we're going to be discussing on today's show. Uh, we have two film reviews, followed by some movie news and our recommendations for the week. Uh, first up, we'll be discussing the film, as Chris just teased, Jungle Cruise, the latest Disney film. We'll be discussing that one. Then we'll be moving on to a review of the latest film from a Mr. M. Night Shyamalan called Old. After those two film reviews, we'll have some movie news that I get to spring on Chris and get his reaction to. And uh, then each of us are going to end the show with a recommendation of a film that we think is worth checking out or catching back up with or exploring if you have not uh, heard of it. So, Chris, we've got a lot to cover, as always, with the show. You ready to get started? Yeah, let's do it. All right. Let's jump right into our first film discussion film review, which is the Disney film Jungle Cruise. There they are! Frank, follow me. Stop her! Oh, God, sorry, Frank. Sorry, strong form. My name is Dr. Lily Houghton. My brother and I are looking for passage upriver. What's out there in the jungle? It's not a fun vacation. Well, I'm not here for a vacation. Legend has it that there is a tree that possesses unparalleled healing power. It will change medicine forever. And you need someone to help you find it. Here we go. Sometimes it just needs a bit of a... Nobody touches my engine but me. What did I just... There you go. (laughs) We're gonna do this together. Haven't you been dreaming about adventure? She was always chasing after some far-fetched idea. There's no such thing as curses. Everything that you see wants to kill you. And can. Do you want to turn back? Nope, just getting started. Chris, our movie review today is about the latest adventure film from Disney, based off of one of their longest-standing theme park rides. The film features action on the water with lots of boats and creatures, both animal and supernatural sort. The story follows an interesting trio of actors, including one of them a scoundrel played by a big Hollywood A-list star, with a tendency for adding a lot of humor to the mix through his creative one-liners. 
as they all search for a lost artifact that will provide everlasting life to a group of old, horrific-looking adventurers that have become one with their surroundings through the use of some heavy CGI. But they're all being chased by a military leader who is also in search of the item. Oh, wait. Uh, I just realized I read the description of Pirates of the Caribbean, Mm -hmm. the first one. Not Jungle Cruise. So let me go back and, and, and read the description for Jungle Cruise. Oh, it's actually the exact same description I just read. So, Chris, <laughs> obviously, I just pulled the same meme that I'm sure everybody on the Internet has done 50 times over, but it's first time for me. So I was going to do it anyway, uh, reading the whole description of Pirates of the Caribbean, saying gotcha. that, you know, it was the same because there are a lot of similarities. I'm not sure. saying this to disparage the film, but I am saying there's a lot of similarities there. But, Chris, let's kind of actually really focus on Jungle Cruise specifically. We have The Rock playing that aforementioned A-list Hollywood star uh, scoundrel character with a lot of humor and one-liners. We've got Emily Blunt playing uh, an, an adventurer, a scholar, uh, kind of an Indiana Jones type of role where she is in, in search of this artifact that is going to cure diseases and provide everlasting life out deep in the jungle. So she has to hire the rock. I forget the rock's character's name, but uh, it's not Rick, is it? It's Frank. Frank. And it was close. Okay. So she seeks out and hires Frank as a jungle boat cruise director, I guess you could say, who's leading tours up and down the uh, the, the river. And they go into the jungle to, uh, to find this item, all while being chased by an interesting German soldier played by Mr. Uh, and I'm drawing a blank there again. Yes. You know and I'm frantically looking on IMDb. Yeah. yeah um, Jesse Plemons. Uh, Jesse Plemons. Our man, Jesse Plemons, who we like quite a lot. Yeah. So, Chris, let me ask you this. You were at Disney just this past week. Yes. Um, you mentioned you saw The Jungle Cruise. Yes. But you had already seen the film. Actually, how time worked out. I actually had not seen the film ah, yet. Okay. Um, so, but there were lots of lines, I guess, people well, anticipating. Let me ask you this. Having watched the Jungle Cruise movie, yeah. did that make you in any way feel sorry that you did mm-hmm. not go on the Jungle Cruise ride? Or are you kind of happy you skipped it this time around? Well, okay. So it's an interesting way to frame the discussion because I don't know, listeners, if you've been to Disney World or Disneyland, because both have this ride, and you have been on the Jungle Cruise, it is one that you typically would enjoy when you are younger, okay? Mm. Um, it is one that, the for the adults, the guide that leads you tells all these jokes, these mm. really groaning puns and everything, which The Rock does in the film. Um, and that's more for, like, the adults, because all the things in the water, the animals and everything, yes, they're all animatronic, they're all, you know, but little kids love it. So it's one of those rides that if you're you know younger, you might flock to it because you think it's awesome. But older, you might just kind of dismiss it. Um, much like and, you know, interesting, historically, same thing with kind of Pirates of the Caribbean. Um, you know, kind of the same type thing. Both of those rides, both Disney, you know. Um, I have to say that considering going into this film, what I thought I was going to see was kind of not – I was curious how they were going to translate the ride to a movie. And I had enough fun. The thing that did kind of surprise me was, like you said, the intro, how much it ended up paralleling um, pirates, which I wish 
I can see why they did it because I think they thought they had to kind of jazz it up to make something more interesting than just jungle, you know, lost in the jungle type thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I wish they hadn't done that because I think I would have ended up liking the film more. I can totally see why they did it because the pirates films were very successful. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a template, take a different ride, take a different idea and try to make it work. Um, and the film for me did work in large part because of Dwayne Johnson and Emily Blunt. Um, they, I liked their chemistry. I like both of them as actor and actress. And, you know, it's, I didn't, I didn't going in, I didn't expect to be knocked over by this film. And, you know, I thought it was, I thought it was okay. Um, thought it was just okay. And it's a family film. If you have younger kids or, you know, they'll like this. If they like the rock and they've seen them in other things, then they'll, they'll dig them in this. Um, what were your overall thoughts, Alan? Um, I'm going to be a little more negative than you. <laughs> okay. But not, not tremendously. I, I echo most of what you say. I, I do agree that it's a little better than I probably went in expecting it to be. Okay. And I will say it's not a horrible time. Okay, I, I, it was passable, passable time for me. It was okay. I, I think it is. I, I think the fact that I see the Disney Corporation machinery at play oh, sure. so much more in this film than even other films I've seen them do. I mean, you're always aware of it, sure. but it's never been to the point where I felt like it was distracting, hmm. like it was in this in this movie. It just, it's almost when there's certain beats and types of characters that are almost exactly like the Pirates franchise. You're like, okay, I see that it's just, you know, yes, we have to weave in this supernatural element. Yes, we have to weave in these characters that look this way because this worked really good in the Pirates franchise. And it's just, oh, you know, at that point, it just, it became tiresome and just a little overly predictable. Um, Well, and for that note, kind of what I was surprised at before I caught on to the whole parallel of pirates. So before that happened, you know, it sets up this opening with like Aguirre and he's like trying to find mm-hmm. this, um, this supernatural thing with, you know, they'll extend life and everything. And so they're, they're setting that up and then they kind of go away from that and they set up two other, mm-hmm. um, I guess, bad, bad guys or like yeah. people that are after, Dwayne Johnson's character. Oh, There's Paul, Paul Giamatti. Paul Giamatti <laughs> as this like kind of business owner who's trying mm. to like, he owns the boat, the rock use or Dwayne Johnson's character, Frank Wolf uses. So he set up as kind of a, a bad guy. And then there's Jesse Plemons, who is this prince who ends up having like a submarine and kind of like dogging the whole venture. So I was already surprised. I was like, Whoa, this is, yeah, there's this a lot, is a going, lot on. going on unnecessarily. So because Paul Giamatti, he can be a bad guy. If given enough to do, like he had nothing, he might as well not even have been in this movie. Yeah. I don't know why he was, but, but, um, cause he did, he didn't only had a few scenes and it was just kind of like, I can't believe he's in this movie. They could have gotten anybody to do that role. Yeah. Why him? So that was kind of confusing, but then they got onto Jesse Plemons. I was like, okay, this is going to be like a big vehicle for him and he'll be the big bad guy. And then no, not really. You know? <laughs> yeah. He was kind of hit or miss, like as far as what, how prevalent he was. And then, then you had the, you know, like you said, the gear and his kind of travelers, which again, you brought him up early on. You don't really deal with him again until later on. And then they're kind of in and out as well. It was throwing a lot of stuff up against the wall and said, well, we feel like one of these 
villains or plot lines will stick with the audience. So let's just have all three or four of them up, up there on the wall and to see what happens. Uh, again, I felt the mechan- machination, machinations of this whole film is just, let's take every element we've ever seen work in other action adventure movies, put it out there and hopefully something will stick and, and resonate with the audience. Um, you mentioned the cast, the, the t- two leads. I will absolutely concur with you on one of them. Mm. I think Emily Blunt is great. Oh, I think she's so rock. good. <laughs> and here's the thing with The Rock. Okay, sure. so Emily Blunt, yes, she has got this role. She knows the role she is playing. It's mm-hmm. like, I am playing the plucky kind of uh, woman who's ready for some adventure. And and I, I, I know what I want. And I have a scholarly mind. And I'm going to go after what I want. And yeah, she plays it. And she is sure. so good at this. I She made the movie for me. I could totally watch her play this role. Uh, and even in a franchise situation, I'd be t- fine with that. Okay. I like The Rock. Okay. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> I just feel like he was really miscast for this role. Um, really? Yeah. Uh, huh. This this role, he plays Frank Wolf, who you're supposed to believe is someone who makes his living uh, taking people up and down the the the, the Jungle Cruise. And he's the has all the one liners and is trying to do horrible, you know, dad jokes along the way. Sure. But he's also supposed to be a scoundrel. He's supposed to be a big liar. Kind of he he lies to get the things he needs. And he's kind of uh, on the run from guys he owes money to. And uh, just, you know, a hmm. scoundrel. Dwayne the Rock Johnson just is not a scoundrel. He hmm. he looks like an A-list super weight heavy <laughs> movie star. Who just happened to walk into the jungle and put on a little ball cap? So you're saying and now you need like Bruce Willis? No, I tell you who you need: Oscar Isaac. Hmm. Oscar Isaac in this role—that is the kind of character you need for okay. this. All right. All right. Dwayne the Rock Johnson is just too perfect. He hmm. just looks too perfect. There's no way anybody would walk up to this guy and say, "You belong in this role, this role, or this situation you find yourself in in life." And hmm. it's even compounded more. Later in the film, which we're not going to spoil, but some revelations happen. And I think it even accentuates more the fact that, yeah, I just, I, the, the Rock just was not the right pick for this. I, I get why he's in there. He's a box office draw. He's going to get people of all ages to come out and see him. And he does have a good time with the one liners. Okay. He is, yeah, he, he knows deli- how to do this. line delivery is definitely, he's got it. Okay. Gotcha. I just don't think he was a good fit for this the character role. type doesn't yeah. fit. Yeah, okay. I, I just think it was. And again, it's another example of, yeah, this is a, a money grab. Let's bring him in, bring a list. If we had brought somebody without the, that name clout, like an Oscar Isaac, it just wouldn't have the same box office straw. But I tell you, he'd be, he'd be able to pull off a lot of the more, there are some dramatic moments and mm-hmm. some more, uh, he would have pulled it off so much more comfortably. And I just, it just seemed like it was really painful for The Rock to try to have to do some of the more dramatic moments, some of the more romantic moments. It just it didn't work for me. So, hmm. again, uh, but otherwise, I think the cast was good. But again, Emily Blunt, I think, is a standout here. I think she's really, really good on that. Um, OK, I'm, a couple of the things I thought were good. I did. Okay. I mentioned that there is a some sort of revelation, some sort of interesting twist about you know two thirds through the film. Yes, that I thought was good. I actually was 
kind of surprised and kind of happy with where that led the film to. So I will give it kudos for that. I thought that was, you know, I was about to the point where I'm just kind of feel like I'm just going through the motions with this film. And then they kind of bring this element in. I'm like, Oh, that's, that's interesting. Okay. Hmm. I'm, you got me re-engaged again. So I'm engaged for the rest of the movie now. Um, so I thought those are some good things. Again, my, my high marks were Emily Blunt, the interesting kind of uh, story twist. Um, and the fact that it's it, it's fairly good, passable adventure entertainment. Sure. Um, Without being like ultra violent or anything. Oh, yeah, obviously, sure. it's a Disney I do have a couple other things I think were were poorly handled um, or, or bad in the film. But did hmm. you have any other positives you wanted yeah, to um, kind of hit on? I'll say I liked the relationship between McGregor, um, McGregor and Lily. So Emily Blunt and her brother in the film is played mm-hmm. by Jack Whitehall. And I liked their relationship and kind of how he was along for the ride with, you know, Frank Wolf's character, Dwayne Johnson. And it was the three of them and kind of the brother sister relationship and how they supported one another and that whole, that whole kind of relationship. Plus I think, did we review, we did review Luca on this show. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Um, and you had mentioned a little bit about there were references in there to, um, characters and kind of the LGBTQ like lifestyle and things like that. And it was mm-hmm. just kind of interesting to see Disney kind of touching on that because, you know, it is a family company and normally, you know, they stray away from being, you know, too, not controversial, but just, they don't, they don't touch on those topics normally. Mm-hmm. And in this film, there's a conversation between McGregor and Frank Wolf and he kind of says some things and Frank's like, Oh, well, and they kind of, they, they touch on it without explicitly like, hammering at home and i thought that was interesting and just kind of cool to see disney i don't know touching on those topics mm-hmm. so alan is rolling his eyes a little <laughs> bit <laughs> um you're skipping ahead to my my, oh, my complaints but go ahead oh wow go ahead, go okay. ahead. No, you finish up um Pause. so I, I i thought that was thought that was cool um something else too and it, <laughs> it set me off on the very opening scene um they have some music playing and I, it was like, wait, that's Metallica. Mm-hmm. That's nothing else matters by Metallica. So I almost couldn't focus on like the first couple of minutes of the movie because I was like, what is a Metallica song doing in jungle? Cruise? And then I was almost like, am I wrong? Is that really the song? Um, and the, so that was crazy enough. And the opening scene in jungle cruise, they're using a Metallica song. What was even nuttier is later in the film, like you're saying, the two-thirds mark, when they bring in kind of the surprise twist, that song is brought back. Mm-hmm. And I was like, whoa. <laughs> so that was just really bizarre for me. Not something I expected in a Disney film yeah. was to use a Metallica no, song. I thought those so I, that was that was kind of strange. Um and took me by surprise and definitely, you know, in a film like this, in a Disney film that we know is going to be family oriented and to have a something like that that is completely unexpected. That's like, oh, okay. I give you some points for that, Disney. Mm-hmm. That that is something that I was not expecting. Yeah. So um that was that was a pleasant surprise. So yeah, sure. I I do have a negative which you've already kind of touched on. Um, and I guess I'll go ahead and say it and I'll transition to sure. you, I think you have a few more misgivings than I do. I do. <laughs> <laughs> but the way the film starts off, it focuses heavily on the Emily Blunt character because you know, yeah. it kind of establishes her. And then we meet um, Frank Wolf, Dwayne Johnson's character. But I was really thinking, wow, this is going to be awesome. It is going to be, like you said, 
a female Indiana Jones mm-hmm. because she's the explorer. She's the, yeah. Now I knew, you know, Frank Wolf's character would play like a sidekick, but I thought really it was going to give Emily Blunt, I was hoping yeah. it was going to give her character, Lily, more of a spotlight. And then unfortunately, I feel like she, as the film went on, she kind of got more sidelined. Now yes. she does get Agreed. to come back towards the end and kind of, yeah, but still, bit, it, but. It, it definitely becomes more of a duo, and I think it does get a little heavier on the Frank side in the latter half of the film, which, sure. yeah, I, I wish it had stayed with with uh, Lily Halton, Emily Blunt's character more. But, and I um, was, because I was thinking like, wow, this is going to be like a, <laughs> kind of like a Laura Croft Tomb Raider, mm-hmm. but it's going to be Emily Blunt. I'm but like, good. <laughs> but, but good, yes. So that, that was kind of an yeah. expectation that got dashed a little bit. And other than that, I mean, here we go, you know, take a drink, running time. Um, it, it seemed like if they had cut out some of those, one of the bad guys, cut out one of the bad guys, cut out some of the side plots, just condense it down a little bit instead of being over two hours. If you could have made it more of like a a 90 minute, I just, I don't understand why plots have to be so overly complicated with so many other characters and plots going on. Sure. You can make an entertaining movie. Where, hey, there is a tree out in the middle of the jungle, deep in the jungle, that has leaves that will cure disease. We want to go find it. We have a map to go find it. But there's also this other guy with a submarine who is chasing after it as well. That's enough. Who gets there first? We'll see. That is a movie. (laughs) That is a fun movie right there. I agree. You can have like uh, waterfalls and you can have animals and you can have adventures along the way, but that's the plot. That's not what they decided to do here. They're like, no, we're also going to weave in this supernatural element about these old adventurers. And now they're in the mix. And then if they get jungle water on them, they come back to life. And it's just like, what? I, I, I don't understand. <laughs> you had such a good premise going. Don't don't mess it up. And then there's the underuse of Paul Giamatti. Well, yeah, too. It's like you got so. Paul Giamatti. Make use of something with him. He's there for like five minutes in the beginning. I think he shows up for like two minutes at the end. Sure. And that's it. All right. So my other issues. Yes. Um, <sighs> looking at this, I never once felt like we were actually in the jungle. Production uh, design wise. Okay. I'm sorry, but this is Disney. You have money. Hmm. Make it look like we're not on one of your theme park rides. I mean, that's to me, I actually felt like this. They shot this on at Disney world hmm. in the ride hmm. because that's how it looked to me the whole time. Even the little towns and the cities are like, just look like big facades of like buildings. And Something it just, that you'd walk through the shops, yes. gift shops. And I just never felt like there was any sense of like, actual location you know mm. with it Interesting. so just disappointed the cgi i thought was also pretty dodgy at times too but i'm i'm to the point now where i don't try to get too nitpicky on that i mean cgi is tough and cgi animals are really tough and it just overall it, it, the whole production just felt fake to me mm. which did not help you know me wanting i don't know it when the production's fake in my eyes, it makes a lot of other things stand out more. Okay. Know? So that, that was, you got a, a to me, a, a fairly fake looking production around you. And then you've got this super glossy, clean Dwayne, the rock Johnson with like no blemishes, no, nothing, no, no sign that he's been living out in the jungle for <laughs> like years or anything. I don't know. It just, it all seemed way too glossy and pr- produced and fake, but um, so, Something that I'll say, kind of another another thing that I liked. And, you know, I guess I had so much of the ride in my mind 
that some of the things you're mentioning, I totally agree. Like, you know, the set and how like the places they would go seemed like sets. And I guess the reason why it didn't bother me, because I didn't even think about it, but I, I totally agree, is because that's very much like the ride. Oh, yeah. And yeah. so oh, no, it was exactly like the ride. Right. And so like, you know how the ride, it's like you go from this one little village and it's all mm-hmm. staged like that. And you go, I, I totally get what you're saying. And I guess because I was like, hey, it's kind of a cop out for them. They were just mimicking the ride, which obviously is very staged and stuff. Um, so I hadn't thought about that. Um, something I'll say, trying to give a little more positive to the the film, they would do these transitions between different, you know, s- scenes and it would be kind of like this, they would have like a map and mm-hmm. they would kind of do this like watercolor dissolve type thing. Yeah. It's hard to describe, but I really liked the way they used yeah, that yeah. a couple that was, of times. So I nice. thought that was, I thought that was neat. Last thing I'll mention, Chris, and you already mentioned it as a positive and yes, at its heart, it's a positive. Okay, I want to. You feel like just, it's just kind of a, they're just doing it because they have to. Well, the whole uh, uh, the whole homosexual comment and, and story that happened with the character uh, McGregor Halton, played by Jack Whitehall. Right. I get it, Disney. Thank you, Disney, for being more open and incorporating these characters in your movie. I am all for that. It's just the execution of this I thought oh, was you really thought it was poorly done. I mean out of complete nowhere hmm. and almost like a scene that was filmed much, much later and just kind of dropped in, had nothing to do with anything uh. the rest of the movie. It's like, I don't know. It just, you have a character and you, you give this character all, all these flamboyant characteristics and all the jokes are about the wardrobe and clothing he wears and all that. And then you have a out of nowhere scene with him and um, the rock sitting down at a campfire and they, he tells a story about you know uh, his who he who he is orientation wise and and what his sister has been so embracing of him. Again, great great idea. Sure, and I, I think it's all good. It's just poorly executed. It just felt like it was Disney saying, "Look, our mantra is now every movie we're going to have some character and we're going to acknowledge them and we're going to make it a big deal." Hmm. We we had this character in Cruella, which I thought at least in Cruella it was a lot more comfortably done i think Actually, you know it wasn't like hit you over the head oh hey we're we're inclusive now we have this character and we 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 get it uh, cruella at least it just wove somebody in and said okay yes by the way this person is lgbtq now with this one it's like oh no we're gonna make absolutely sure that you are sitting hmm. down in the theater and seeing disney being open by putting in this this scene has no bearing on the rest of the film doesn't affect one thing or another but we want to do this to, to kind of check that box. And well, I, I I just, again, the whole machinery at play here in this film really got to me. But sure. again, this is not a discredit of what Disney's doing. I think it's awesome. I just, I want them well, to be more, I want them to be more organic about the way they do it. Not, and not I, so I guess the reason, I, I hear what you're saying. Mm-hmm. I think it could have been maybe better handled. <laughs> um, but it worked for me because the opening scene McGregor is kind of giving a speech to this Explorer Society. Meanwhile, his sister is like Mm -hmm. doing some background stuff, trying to get a hold of something and they're not respecting him. You're kind of like, what, what, what's the deal here? You don't really get that. That has a callback at the very end of the film. Yeah. And I thought that that was, oh wait. So I felt like, 
some of that kind of explained. They didn't do hmm. it right off the bat, and then they kind of so wove it in. So you got the impression that part of the reaction he was getting from the people was because, they, was because yes, of his... He was being ostracized. Hmm. And you and I, I didn't really understand why, because I'm like, well, he is playing, his character was playing this rich, well-to-do, educated person, and then the people out in the crowd are obviously hmm. rich, Rich and well to do. What are the, why are they why are they dissing this dude? Maybe and then I mean, like it could be and it, then they, they didn't, I didn't make that connection. I just thought they were discrediting us. They just didn't agree with his theory and thought it was well, hogwash. And, and, and they all. also and the, the thing that at the beginning of the film you think it's like they throw it to him like oh you're just reiterating something yeah. of your sister. So it's right. like okay they're disrespecting the sister therefore they're disrespecting him. But what you come to hear from him is like no. They're disrespecting his sister, but they are also very much disrespecting him because of right. his. I so, did not get that, but so, that could be the case. So, regardless, just Disney, just just be more tactful with how you're. <laughs> sure. Just please keep doing what you're doing, but do it in a more graceful way, and not feel like you just got to hammer us over the head with this thing. So, and I'm not going to spoil anything for those that haven't seen the film, but I will say something else that you know could have pushed this film for me to like it even more was. With the twist Alan and I have referred to, I'm not going to give that away, mm-hmm. but some character might have been written out of the film and, or might, this might have been his last film <laughs> or something, something happens to it. And I was like, wow, that was really, that was really interesting. I was mm-hmm. not expecting that, but of course that doesn't happen. Right. And they have a reprise and then everything's okay. But, um, I guess what I'm saying is if this film had been more of like a one and done, I would have been very impressed, but I, I'd be really shocked if this doesn't do well, yeah. that they're not going to have a sequel, that they're not going to turn into a franchise like Pirates. Oh, they're already talking sequel. See, it, it made like 30 some million at the box office and also made a bunch on Disney plus. And yeah, they're, they're definitely making a Which sequel. Which if this, this film had been tightly a better construction, hadn't been so like so many plot threads like you and I've already discussed that say, well, there's room for growth in a sequel. Maybe, they'll be, but no, it's like it was already so convoluted to begin with. That just makes me dread. These how sequels off of movies like this normally get even more complicated. Right. So right. look at the Pirates of the Caribbean movie, right. Right. which I thought the first one was also a little overly complicated for what it was trying to do. Second and third movies got super overly complicated. Like you add even more elements to it, and more characters, and more plot lines. It's like I just don't. You know, I, I yearn for. I mean, we've already mentioned that the Indiana Jones, the Raiders of the Lost Ark, that the trilogy from that, that I felt like those plots were pretty simple in those movies. I mean, you had one quest, one thing you're going after. That was it. You had one little set of characters and even those characters change from movie to movie. So you didn't have the same characters every single time. Sure. Uh, I, I'd love to people. I'd love them to start taking on that kind of idea, but I, I'm afraid what's going to happen. Jungle Cruise 2 will be Dwayne Johnson, Emily Blunt. The same characters, and let's carry in the things from the first movie, but now let's add more to the next movie. And that's what gets me worried. So, yeah. But we're not here to prognosticate <laughs> about future movies. Let's sure. wrap up with Jungle Cruise. Overall, again, it was fine entertainment. I do think there were a lot of issues with it. I think my biggest misgiving is I just felt like The Rock was really miscast in this role. I would have liked to have seen somebody with a little more depth and a little more um, – I don't know. Just yeah, someone with a little more depth play the role. That's but I do like Emily Blunt a lot in the in the role. I think the overall concept of the movie is is good, and I like the tone of the movie. I just felt like the production was pretty weak, and uh, The Rock was miscast, and 
it's just too much of the Disney machine at play for me on that. But you you had a you had a little bit a little better time than yeah, I, really I did. Yeah, I thought the casting was fine. I think the one thing that we both agree on, both kind of stand on, is kind of the convoluted nature of the plot. Yeah, combined with the similarities with Pirates of the Caribbean, so it, it's it like, can't be avoided. Right. I mean, you know, just it's just it's just right there. I mean, right. again, you can just see. The, the the business side of what they're trying to pull off here, sure. and uh, it's a little discouraging to to kind of see that lack of originality with it to some degree. So, right, all right, well, that is Jungle Cruise. It is playing. It still will be playing for quite some time. I'm uh, I, I believe. So uh, we're saying, you know, I'm not I'm not able to go out and recommend it to anybody, but I'm also not going to tell somebody that it's a bad movie and you should avoid it at all costs. I just it's not an active recommendation for me. But. It's I would recommend to like, you know, families with kids or people that really like the pirates movies that'd be like, well, it's not pirates, but it's pretty close. Yeah. <laughs> so I'd recommend um is it it's also on Disney Plus for like the premiere thing, right? Yes, so you can go see it in the theater or you can see on Disney Plus if you pay like a fee. So correct. That is true. That is true. All right. That is Jungle Cruise playing in theaters and on Disney Plus. All right, Chris, let's move on to our second review, which is the latest hmm, thriller, horror. I don't know how you want to describe it, but it's the uh, latest one from Mr. M. Night Shyamalan, and it is called Old. No kids allowed on the beach? What? No. That's not true. Oh, no. Oh, no. We never leave each other. Nothing separates us. Are we there yet? You said five minutes. Technically, it's been more than five minutes. Let's just all start slowing down. Wow. Do you believe I found this online? I guess it's not that secret a beast. What's happening? Found stuff from the hotel in the sand. A family on a tropical holiday discovers that the secluded beach where they are relaxing for a few hours is somehow causing them to age rapidly, reducing their entire lives into a single day. This is the premise for the new M. Night Shyamalan film starring Gail Garcia Bernal and Vicky Creeps. Having recently returned from vacation, I can thankfully say my trip was nothing like the one experienced by this family. What was your time on the island with this film like, Alan? Well, but Chris, you do have a little more gray in your hair than when you left a week ago. So are you sure maybe <laughs> the more beaches wrinkles. you weren't on might have had a slightly accelerated? Maybe, or I think uh, that was just the time I spent in the lines at Disney. So <laughs> that could be, be. It. Um, Okay, let's talk about this movie, Old. Um, <laughs> just a little background with M. Night Shyamalan. You know, we've talked about many of his films ever since we started the podcast. Mm-hmm. We are drawn to his films, Okay. I, I think you know, we actively seek out to go see his films, whether we are expecting to like them or not. And I think there was a period of time where we were all very, very down on, on M. Night Shyamalan. We went to go see his movies almost more out of curiosity. Oh, absolutely. Out than, of morbid curiosity. Than absolutely. anything else. That's that back in the days of The Happening and well, Lady in the Lady Water. in the Water. The Happening, um, After Earth, mm-hmm. some of those films. Okay. 
Then you got a little bit of the resurgence. The little, I think the visit, I think split, um, glass, we didn't care for, but yet, you know, it, it did make some pretty good money and mm-hmm. seemed to do okay for him. Um, so that's, he's a little bit on the upward swing, I guess you could say right now. Yes. So here's, here's what I've come to learn about M. Night Shyamalan. I think I finally put my finger on what it is about his films that I like and what I don't like. <laughs> okay. Um, I will say this. I found old to be entertaining. Um, some of it rightfully so, some of it undeservedly so, but it was still entertaining all the way across. I think the key is, I think M. Night Shyamalan has wonderful ideas. And if he were to sit down and describe the idea to you, you'd say, yes, that please, is a please great make that movie. movie. Please make this movie. But could you have somebody else maybe write, you know, the actual scenes and dialogue and what people say and how this actually happens. Give me the idea. You are the man, even direct it. Cause I think the guy's got a good eye for direction. I think this is a well-directed movie. It looks really good. Um, and I did overall enjoy it. And I'm going to give it a recommendation only because I think the guy's going out there and doing it and nobody else is making movies like this right now. Some more power to him. But I, but I, uh, but some of it is just <laughs> groan worthy, tough to watch. So okay. that's a very vague uh, well, review for old, but uh, I want to hear your thoughts. So you, you're right. You and I both are kind of drawn to his films because we say, you know, we were both really on board with Sixth Sense when it came out. Mm-hmm. Then Unbreakable came out. We like that. And then. Slowly, we started to drift away. There was signs. There was the village. And then we kind of fell out with him. Um, but we're always interested to see what he does because he's capable. Yeah. And his his yeah. films are also usually unique in their own way. Like they, um, This film, unfortunately, from very early on, irritated me. <laughs> and it was an irritation that I couldn't shake. Something that I... M. Night Shyamalan does in his films, which his, I'm assuming it's a hero of his because I, I mean, how could it not be Alfred Hitchcock because Alfred Hitchcock would do twists. Alfred Hitchcock also not in every one of his films, but he did appear in his films, but you know what? He didn't try to act. (laughs) Notice I I say he didn't try to act. His role was never impactful to the I had no, no bearing on the story it was basically just in the background I thing. could not stand when M. Night Shyamalan was on the screen now it didn't help and this may be with all the screenings of this film I'm not sure or at least with these opening weekend screenings he did like a and I you know mm. my son actually leaned over to me because we went to see I'm sorry digressing a little bit but this is important we went to go see Snake Eyes at the opening of that film the lead actor's like hello welcome back to the mm. theater and my son's like why are they doing that I'm like well they're just really happy people are coming back to the movie theater he's like oh okay same thing with this film in Night Shyamalan's like hi I can't wait to tell you this story and I'm like but you know I was like okay cool I get it he's welcome it's like all the other films are doing great but then not five minutes into the movie he pops his face up and I'm like oh no but I'm like well okay he's a little bit showier that he's on the film, but maybe it won't be that big a deal. Maybe I'll never see him again. Nope. He like, <laughs> he's, he's, I won't say a main character, but he is the most in this film that he has ever been in any of his other films. Oh, no, no, no. Lady in the Water. 
Oh, that's right. That's Lady right. in the Water, okay, he in the was water, like he was, the end hero character. So yeah, that's you can't true. discredit Okay, that. that's true. Lady this in the Water. second, but yeah. Second. But mm-hmm. I guess it's been a long time since that, and I would have hoped he would have learned a lesson, but yeah. no. Um, but you're right. The thing, the thing that I did admire about him before this film that I still admire now, I'll still go see another M. Night Shyamalan film, is that he makes his films the way he wants to make them. Yeah. And he comes up with ideas. This is based off a graphic novel, which I can totally see how in a comic book format, graphic novel format, this would totally make sense. It would be tight. It would be interesting because of how they would structure it. But translating this the way he did, because he did write the script, you know, he's credited with that on the screen. Once the family gets to the beach it's just really redundant and repetitive and convenient that somehow, oh, these characters wander off and they yeah. wander back and they're old. And like that works maybe once or older, right. but it just gets so convenient. You're like, yep, I bet those characters going over there to build a sandcastle, we're focusing on these other ones. They're going to come back it's, and they're going to be completely older. And it's it sloppy storytelling yeah. is what it is. And that's what boils down to with, with him, his films. Um, yeah, no, I'm 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 with you for the most for 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 all this again too. And, I I still found myself entertained, and I'll oh, explain man. why in a little bit. But it also was an annoying entertainment too. Like <laughs> I found myself nitpicking everything oh, and man, things yeah. that just bothered me. But yet, I will say this right away: if you sat down with me at a bar over a drink and you described the premise of this film, sure, even the ending, which I know we can we can hint oh, at. Oh boy! But listen, even if you describe it to me, I am like. Heck yeah, that sounds awesome. Make this movie. I am on board with everything you just described. But then I imagine that conversation going into, okay, but then also there's going to be this scene of this, and then this cool thing is going to happen, and this cool thing is going to happen. And at that point, I'm going to say, that's all going to happen in this movie, and how are you going to make that happen naturally and organically? Oh, no, we're not. We're just going to throw them in there. going to have it happen. And that's what I felt like the film is. The film's a really – I will champion the premise and the the overall high-level summary of this film because I did like it. I mean, I came walked away even as clumsy as the ending is. I like the idea of the ending. The, I, the, just, I just – I felt like – it was okay. We have this great idea. We have this great ending uh, or a story behind it, but the way we're going to tell it is just so flawed and so disjointed. And it's all about having the shock moments in these crazy moments and this creepy moments. And that doesn't really make for a, a good film, you know? Agreed. So, yeah. And I think we're saying the same thing, but you're giving it a little more credit for my, it's kind of, yeah, you know, this is an actual, I think, kind of a complete reverse of our first review of Jungle Probably Cruise. So. We're both kind of on the same page, but um, I liked it a little better than you. And I think with this film on the same page, but I'm, I li- definitely liked it less. Yeah. yeah. No, I'm, I'm again, I, I, I still came out of the movie talking about the movie, thinking about mm. it, both hating it and liking <laughs> some moments and hating others. And I just, I, I want to give credit to somebody who's out there making films that are at least worthy of discussion because well, this, there's this, not enough of those. This anymore. is going to be something yeah. that kind of goes against what I've said in previous reviews. And so it sounds like I'm being a hypocrite, which I probably am. But um, I feel like my problem with the film is the whole aging on the island. Let's say that is part A of the movie. Okay. And then part B is the Shyamalan twist, which lots of his films have, 
Which, now granted, if it hadn't have been for the part B twist at the very end, I would have hated this movie even yeah, more because exactly. it, did, it didn't go anywhere. Right. It was like, you know, 90 minutes of me sitting there seeing a bunch of people complain, not, com- I mean, rightfully so, complaining about aging and dying. And you're like, yeah. oh, that's terrible. But other than that, it didn't give me anything. Yes. So the part B was necessary. And I'm glad that mm-hmm. it came because then once that finally happened, I'm like, okay, here we go. Okay, but I felt like it was clumsily handled. Mm-hmm. And I feel like normally, I guess what I needed some breadcrumbs sprinkled in part A that would let me think there was actually a progression instead of just bulldozing in part yeah. B and being like, oh, here you go. And I'm like, okay. But you know, that, that's and that the, way, that's, I didn't, I didn't yeah. want it to be totally revealed to me. I wanted to try to work for it and reason through it, but at least give me breadcrumbs yeah. to work with. And I well, didn't see, feel like they did that enough. He did. They were just not very good. I mean, seriously. Okay, there are yeah. there are breadcrumbs in the film that if you really think back to it, oh, okay, I guess people talking about this aspect of each of their lives, that was meant to be important. But it was handled so poorly. Well, and I think the dialogue does not help the situation. Oh, okay. The dialogue terrible. is horrible in this film. And there's it is, it is, again, I will say it's not how people talk. And, well, and even though I've never been on a beach where accelerated aging is happening with a bunch of random people. No, I haven't. <laughs> okay. So I don't know exactly how people would talk in that situation, but I still have a hard time. It's going to be like they talk in this movie. Um, so I, I just, you know, I think there's too much telegraphing. Oh, I, I do this for a living. So I know this, and this is how I'm going to handle this situation. It was just too, too on the nose. So much of the dialogue. So know? the, the family, yeah. Gail Garcia Bernal and his wife, Vicky Creeps, they have two children. Yeah. Okay. And, you know, they age, but so also do their children. When Trent, who's the little boy, um, when he is young and they first get to the resort, he befriends this other little boy. Mm-hmm. Okay. That relationship could have been better handled, but it was so ridiculously clunky. Oh, yeah. They pass a code. He figures out about, oh, there's going to be an ice cream social. And then that's just kind of dry. And then later it's like, oh, I have this other message that I never mm-hmm. decoded by him. And I was like, seriously? Yeah. And of course he decodes it. And that leads him to like a possible solution to getting off. The- I was like, really? Oh yeah. That's really what you're doing. That's really like, you, know? no, it's, you got, you just got three eye rolls from me. Which right. just as you were reading <sighs> it. You're right. I mean, that's exactly the problem. You got that, the problem you've got so much of the, the opening five minutes before they get on the beach is so heavy handed just, Oh, we'll we'll have to wait and and do this when you're older to the kids. Oh, you know, don't worry. You're always looking to the future and, you know, enjoy the time where you are. It's just all this. It's like, okay, we get it. Yes. We already (laughs) came into the movie. We know what's going to happen to these people. Why do you have to hit us over the head with this? And it's just, and then they get on the beach and everybody has to kind of, specifically say what they do for a living and how that's going to apply to the situation. Mm. And it's just, oh, I just, I love the concepts here. I love the ideas. And even some of the individual scenes I thought were really, some were creepy, some were freaky, scary. I, I, I liked them, but it's just to get from each scene to each scene was just so ham-fisted and clunky. And it just, it made the whole film yeah, you walk away saying, I like these moments, but yet you can't 
as a whole, it's like you, you just can't wrap your head around liking this as a film. You know, it's just it's tough. It's really Which tough. Which I, I admire what he was trying to do. It just really didn't work. And I, I would not recommend it because of that. Well, um, see, I, I'm going to recommend it just because I think it's it's crazy enough <laughs> to go check out. Okay. okay. To me, it's like, all right, you know how George Lucas with the Star Wars movies. He is a very good comparison. That's brilliant, how, brilliant idea, man. Yes. Can direct something, but dialogue wise and script wise. Well, it's wise, almost like you think about it. George Lucas directed his, his Star Wars, the first one, and that one just hit all the buttons for people. It worked. And then he let other people direct his next couple films that were based off of his ideas and they did really, really good work with it. Mm -hmm. But then he decided, okay, I'm actually going to write the dialogue and I'm going to direct the actors and I'm going to like do this. And that's where we got the prequels, which, you know, most people are not big fans of. It's the same kind of idea. I I have no, and again, I think, I think M night Shyamalan is a really good visual director. Mm -hmm. The movie here looked really good and Mm -hmm. it looked interesting. And there were some great camera shots and movements and all that. But it's just, you know, him trying to do that and the storytelling and to tell a good, cohesive, strong story just did not work. And was it problematic for you that he was in the film as much as he was? It was. Although there's something kind of funny about (laughs) the idea that his whole role. And again, this is not spoiling because he this is in the first five minutes. Sure. His whole role is he's going to lead the people to the place where the film's going to take place. Mm-hmm. He is opening the gate for them and saying, here, I'm going to take you here. I'm going to let you go to this place and I'm going to set up the framework and rules for this place. It, if you're going to do a cameo in your own film, at least that's kind of a clever one to do. It's like, he is the, he is the guide for the audience and that this is where we're going. Now, if he hadn't already put cast himself in every other single movie <laughs> that he does, Which you're then right. this would be kind of a fun little cameo. It's like, oh, right. look, M. Night Shyamalan's in his own movie this time, and he's kind of playing the guide, and he's leading us to where this, this story is going to take place. That's kind of cool. But, um, yeah, the fact that I, I think everybody groans in a way when you see him on film now. And if he hadn't ever done it before, I'd completely blocked out the fact that he was a big part of Lady in the Water. But oh, yeah. Yeah, if he had never done it before, then you're right. This would be more unique, and it would have yeah. been. I would give it would have been kind of cool, but it would have yeah. been kind of a cool cameo. As it is now, it's just like I'm watching this with my wife, and as soon as he shows up, she has to grab my hand because she knows the eye rolling is starting on my end. I'm like, oh, <laughs> there, we there go. he is again. There he is. Yeah. Um, hmm. Anyway, I had a good time with it, but. I have had also more arguments and frustrations and nitpicks about this film than any film I've had recently. Gotcha. If that's, I guess you could call it a recommendation. It is crazy. It is got some scenes that one scene in particular still is kind of haunting to me. Um, is it in the cave with the Yes, lady? it is. Yeah. Okay. That got me. Pretty hard. It's like contortion to you know, oh. body horror type stuff. There's a lot of body horror. There's a lot of, you know, uh, medical horror. Um, there is, a, there is a, a scene between two of the characters or a, a trans, a development between two of the characters that I wish I hadn't seen the trailer. Cause then I wouldn't have known that something was going to happen to one of the characters. And that would have been a really interesting surprise. Um, Hmm. Two people in a tent. 
huh. and then what happens afterwards. Because I've seen the trailer and I knew what condition one person was going to find themselves in. That automatically I knew what was going to happen there. But how wild would it have been if I hadn't seen the trailer and didn't know that? Anyway, there are some moments. I will give him this. He's got some crazy inventive moments in this film. But he just does not know how to tell it in a in a way that makes sense and in a way that makes people seem real. Mm-hmm. You know, I guess that's how I can best say it. Right. Yeah, and the ending, there's about 20 other ways you could have done that ending and made it good Mm -hmm. and still told the same story. Well, and I feel like a lot of it, too, was very rushed because they had spent so much time not doing the breadcrumbs that finally when they get to that point B, it's like, okay, here's what's going on, and this and this, and we're done. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Well, and I mean, the ending brings up a really interesting philosophical discussion sure. sure that they're not interested in talking about no. at all <laughs> and i'm just like oh but but what oh but you've got this right there it's like there's something to be said that's really interesting right there and you're doing nothing with it so sure. um that's that was discouraging as well but anyway all right that is old that is the latest from writer director m night Shyamalan. uh it is in theaters right now only theaters okay mr mr Shyamalan has been Sticking very insistent that it's going only to the theaters. That's why he did his little welcome video at the at the movie theater for Got us. Um, I'm giving a recommendation with a lot of caveats. Fair enough. Chris is not able to recommend it. So no. fair enough. I get it. And I, I I think this is a it's a divisive movie. You're either on board for it or you're not. And, and I will say, regardless. I am interested to see his what he does next because he's always, you know, got me curious. So. Yeah, I'll, we'll give him that. Okay, so that is old. All right, Chris, let's take a quick break. We're going to do some movie news when we come back. A couple of uh, interesting developments in the movie world. And uh, then we'll also have our recommendation for the episode. So stay tuned. You're listening to Foot Candle Films right here on TheMesh.TV. This podcast is sponsored by Jackson Creative a custom communication agency located in downtown Hickory, North Carolina, specializing in online content creation. To learn more, visit thejacksoncreative.com. Jackson Creative, we tell your story. Welcome back to Foot Candle Films here on TheMesh.TV. Chris and I finished our reviews of Jungle Cruise and the movie Old in the first half of the show. But now let's talk to the movie industry a little bit. I normally say it's looking to the future, like new projects coming up. And there will be a little bit of that in here in a moment. But first story I want to talk about, Chris, is just one I find interesting because we have been talking for the past year and a half about how the movie industry has gone through changes uh, due to the pandemic, going to completely online distribution for a period of time. Now they've come back to kind of a hybrid model where, yes, movies are going to theaters, but yet they're also using the online component to also try to promote a little heavier. Sure. So like we said with uh, the two we already discussed, Jungle Cruise was a theatrical plus Disney plus. You could watch it online. Old, they made the decision, Universal did, we're just going to theaters and that's it. We don't have an online platform to promote, so we're just going to go to the movie theaters. So that's going to be something I think we're going to be dealing with for a little while here is studios picking and choosing whether it's in theater, online, or a combination of the two somehow. Well, that's all well and good. And I mean, people could say that, you know, 
we as consumers are kind of get all the benefit. We have our pick of the of choices of how we want to watch movies. But one one group kind of left out of the conversation has been the actors themselves, like mm. the people that the, the the actors in these films, because many of them have deals. Their whole pay is structured on how the film does in theatrical release. Got you. Okay. So the kind of the hammer dropped a little bit and it would be Thor's hammer because this is a Marvel uh-huh. Disney related story. Okay. Um, Scarlett Johansson has sued Disney. Scarlett Johansson, Mrs. Black Widow. Yes. Plays Natasha Romanoff in the Marvel films. Her latest film, Black Widow, we reviewed, I think, at the last episode we did. Um, That was a a film that was supposed to have come out in theaters spring of 2020. It did not. It got delayed several times until finally it was released uh, just uh, several weeks ago. Uh, but it was released both in theaters and on Disney Plus. You could pay thirty bucks and watch it with your family or a group of people for thirty bucks. So it made pretty good money first weekend at the theater, okay. and it made a lot of money on Disney Plus first weekend. <laughs> Second weekend, big drop, like almost a seventy percent drop in theater wow. revenue. It wasn't okay. even the first first place one anymore in the box office, which for a big Marvel movie is kind of kind of surprising. Sure. So. Once that happened, Scarlett Johansson has now sued Disney because she's basically saying and claiming that her agreement on how she got paid was based on theatrical performance. And because of the release to Disney Plus, that cut in dramatically into the theatrical performance. And also, they claim, caused that big second weekend drop off. Meaning a lot of people, I think there's an argument here to say, Chris, you know, people go to the movie theaters. Um Sometimes we just go like and say, okay, we want to go to the movies this weekend. What's playing? Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, Black Widow. I haven't seen that yet. It came out a couple weeks ago. I'll go see it. That's changed where now it's like, well, instead of just, just haphazardly going to the movie theater, maybe we'll just stay home and just pay 30 bucks and have the family crowd around and let's watch something there. Hmm. So the argument is that the actors are making less money gotcha. because the distribution to Disney+. Plus. So she is uh, she is filed suit. She is suing Disney now. Interestingly enough, about three or four days later, talks started happening that possibly um, Emma. Um, oh my gosh, I can't believe I just blanked on her last name. Emma Thompson. Emma no, no, no. Watson. No, uh, Emma Stone. Emma Stone. Got you. Emma Stone is From contemplating Cruella. is contemplating suing Disney for the same situation with Cruella. Gotcha. Because again, they got a limited theatrical run and performance because it was online as well. Mm. So I know this is in the business side. You and I typically don't get too deep on the business side of movies, but Chris, any reaction to this, this thought, this, this concept of what they're, the game I mean, they're playing? Yeah. I mean, I guess if that was what their contract said and I, I, I can see why they're upset. Um, I, I, I can see why they're upset and something like, Black Widow, you figure at first, maybe first glance, you would say, well, this was kind of her last swan song with Marvel anyway. So maybe it's just kind of like sour, not sour, great. Well, yeah, it's just like, well, she's just trying to get every last bit of money she can because she knows her time with Marvel or her time with, you know, is done mm. because, you know, everybody knows that she died in the Avengers movie. So uh, spoiler, I know spoiler. she got a, head, so, a heads up on that. Um, whereas like, you know, Emma Stone you could assume that maybe there is another Cruella movie in her future, maybe Mm -hmm. Um, because, you know, they did two Maleficent movies, so they may would do two Cruella movies. So, 
And I think Cruella did decently. Um, I guess. I don't think they really gave out quite the same kind of numbers that they did on Black Widow. but um, So I, I, you know, I I can see their point, Um, but it'll be interesting to see how it all plays out. Well, what's interesting to me is how the studios have been at odds with the filmmakers and actors Mm. with this whole online distribution. Remember back when they announced the whole deal with HBO Max Mm -hmm. uh, at the beginning of the uh, last year? They said every movie in the next year in 2021 is going to go to HBO Max. And I think even uh, 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 the director of Dune, uh, Villeneuve, was like, uh, what? You know, and, and <laughs> very upset and very public about it. So sure. like, this was not part of the deal. And I, I, this is a this is this is a change. And we weren't advised about it. So I think it's kind of called everybody off guard. Now, Disney's response to. Scarlett Johansson's lawsuit is to basically they put out a statement and it kind of tried to play this whole card of the pandemic was really tough and Miss Johansson's not being sensitive to decisions that were had to made had to be made because of the health crisis going on in the nation and all that and that she's already getting a lot of money hmm. which I think also brought up a lot of people that being kind of condescending, especially to a female actress to say she's already making enough. You know, she didn't really need to make any more than what she, we paid her. Hmm. Um, So it's, it's, it's not a pleasant situation between the sides. Probably a good thing that she is done with the Marvel movies. (laughs) because I think she is definitely done. I think uh, there's no, no coming back probably for her right now. Hmm. Um, Anyway, it's interesting to see how it's going to play out. Sure. Um, I see the point. I mean, you know, I, I wish there had been more of a collaborative dialogue between directors and studios and actors about what we had to do over this past year. I do think offering stuff online was the right thing to do. You know, it, it forces fewer people to go to the theaters and it forces us to be safe and keep our distance over the past year like we were supposed to. Um, but I think there just should have been more more collaboration with all the creative team about these decisions and how it was going to impact contracts and distribution and everything else. So sure. Yeah. All right. Uh, so that is legal battle. All right, let's get on to more fun stuff. Okay. okay. Um, this is a really quick one, Chris, but, uh, Wes Anderson. Yes. We're fans. Yes. Uh, we got the French dispatch finally coming out in October, October, I believe has already played can. Right. I think reviews seem to be pretty good. Not, not outstanding, but pretty good, but still, you know, we want to see it no matter what. Sure. But there's already a little bit of rumblings about his next film. Um, not a lot. No title, no no topic, no synopsis or anything. But did catch my eye that one particular actor has signed on to join the cast. Okay. Do you know who this is? I think I do. Is it Tom Hanks? It is Tom yeah, Hanks. okay. Tom Hanks will be in the next Wes Anderson film. Um, only a cameo, though. Huh. Not going to be playing a leading role. Okay, uh, interesting. The film will include, and I mean, this should surprise nobody, <laughs> Tilda Swinton. Of course. Uh, Bill Murray. Of course. Adrian Brody, who is also becoming kind of a Wes yep. Anderson regular now. So. so Bill Murray, in all of them except for Bottle Rocket, correct? He, um, Bill Murray started working with Wes Anderson in Rushmore, Rushmore. his second movie. Okay. Um, but he has been in every movie now he was only in the Darjeeling Limited, like the opening still, scene, but still, still he's in he it. He was in it. Okay. He's still in it. You're right. Okay. Uh, Adrian Brody is one that I think started joining up on Darjeeling Limited, 
and has been, has he been in every, he hasn't been in every film since then, I don't think. I don't think he was in Moonrise Kingdom. Okay. Uh, or maybe not even Grand Budapest Budapest. Hotel. But he is in the French Dispatch. Right. So, um, until this went, I think has been a mainstay since, since uh, Grand uh, Grand Budapest Hotel. Okay. Maybe. I'm not sure. But anyway. Anyways. Those are names that you obviously recognize with a Wes Anderson film nowadays. Sure. Absolutely. Um, So, yeah, Tom Hanks. That'll be kind of fun. It will be. I'm curious to see what he would come aboard to do a cameo for, but yeah, um, yeah. yeah. So it's so, an unspecified like, minor role. Um, and as much I like Tom Hanks a lot, but I guess his it is kind of weird for me to think of him in a Wes Anderson movie because somehow yeah. like Tom Hanks doesn't strike me as a quirky type Wes Anderson like hmm. actor, well, whereas he, the others definitely do. So well, and Tom you know, Hanks, you know, let's be honest, he did he did try to do the quirky auteur based film with the lady killers with the comb brothers True. that's kind of considered one of the biggest bombs of uh hanks's career and of the comb brothers right. so True. it didn't work <laughs> but i think you know there again him doing a small role might be kind of kind yeah. of fun to see sure with that um hmm. all right last thing i'm going to mention um not a whole lot of news going on outside of the scarlett johansson deal but I was kind of interested to see, you know, we've had a lot of documentaries about bands uh, over the years. We talked about one recently, Sparks, uh, yes. the Brothers Sparks documentary. Uh, are there any bands in your head, Chris, that big bands, like from the 70s, especially in that era, that have not had the big documentary treatment yet? Um, well, I know of one that got at it and it was released at Cannes. Um, and that's what I'm interested in. Um, or actually, but I don't know if it's a documentary or if it's actually a narrative film. Yeah. But um, Velvet Underground. Oh, um, right, right. Todd right. Haynes is yeah, doing yeah. it. And I don't know if that, I can't remember if it's a narrative or a documentary. I don't remember either. But you're right. Um, Velvet Underground is getting a film. So that'd be one. And of the other ones, you know, the only one, are you talking about have a documentary or a narrative? Documentary. Documentary, straight documentary. The only other one that I selfishly want, and I they haven't done it, I don't think. Um, and they've been documentaries, but not like an encompassing one. Would be one on Pink Floyd. That's the one. That, yeah, Pink Floyd. Pink Floyd, I think, is due for one. I well, think because they don't want to talk to anybody. Well, so. the news I've got is not Pink Floyd. Ah, Sorry dang. about that. Um, Led Zeppelin. Okay. Led Zeppelin is getting a documentary. Um, is by the director Bernard McMahon. Who has uh, he directed the American Epic series that was on PBS, which was, uh, I believe, with Jack White, and okay. they kind of uh, interviewed and and kind of did exploration of different musical acts okay. in that in that series. Well, he has now uh, supposedly recently completed the feature oh. documentary called "Becoming Led Zeppelin," interesting, uh, and it has unprecedented access to the band. Hmm. Marking the first and only time the group has participated in a documentary in 50 years. Wow. Um, the 1976 documentary, The Song of Remains the yeah. Same, was on the band. It was largely mostly a concert, concert film. This footage, will be a yeah. true documentary, you know. And, it, of course, that was also back in 76. Right. Uh, quite a while back. Hmm. So, um, it's interesting. I, I'm excited to see it. I mean, I, I think that'll be a, a, an interesting documentary to look through. Do you know, is it going to be theatrically released or is it going to be, cause that was my disappointment about the Peter Jackson get back thing. Is they're going to release it? Is it Disney plus or they're, they're releasing it and it's going to be like in installments. It's going to be like, 
it three say to, um, it says a release date has not been set yet. Okay. Um, it doesn't talk about how they're going to distribute the film. Okay. But it is going to include new interviews with Jimmy Page, Robert Plant, John Paul Jones, and even uh, archival interviews with uh, John Bonham. And uh, never before seen archive film, photographs, state-of-the-art audio transfers of their music, hmm. and so forth. So, okay, I, uh, interesting. I, I'm looking forward to it. I well, love my musical documentaries. Sure. So bring it on. This is a band I'd like to learn a little bit more about. Well, so. I guess they'll have, because John Paul Jones has also passed away. So I guess it'll be archival up to a certain point. But I mean, he, he yeah. lived a lot longer than um, Bonham did. But uh, it just says new interviews with John Paul Jones. So they, it must have been stuff that was done before his just passing that just never got used. Gotcha. Yeah. Huh. All right. So that's a couple of interesting projects. We've got a new Wes Anderson film somewhere down the horizon star, uh, featuring Mr. Uh, Tom Hanks. So I guess they've already, because, you know, French Dispatch had been sitting on the shelf. So had has he already started filming? It or didn't no? say. Okay. Don't know. Um, huh. Not quite sure. Okay. Um, and then our legal battles with Black Widow and Disney. So, uh, okay, Chris, that's our movie news for today. That's all I think we wanted to kind of share and talk about. Okay. Let's plan on closing out the show here with our last little section, which is where we do our recommendations. This is where you and I both recommend a film we think is worth checking out. Maybe a new one we've just uh, recently saw ourselves. Maybe one we want to recall from the past that we want to recommend for people. Um, Chris, I'll let you go first. What, sure. uh, what have you got to share with us today? So I'm going to recommend a new film. It is available limited release in theaters, but I think you can rented online through like, you know, Apple movies or, you know, Amazon, you can rent like usual places, digital distribution, but it's a film called pig. It is by Michael Cernoski, which I believe it is his either first or second feature film. I'd never heard of the fellow before. Um, but big thing, it stars Nicholas cage. Mm -hmm. You may have heard of Mr. Cage. He I have. has had quite the interesting career. I'm um, doing some crazy movies and he's, he's Oscar winner, uh, Nicholas Cage. Um, but you know, he's, he's kind of unpredictable, um, in the roles that he takes. And then sometimes he goes really big. Sometimes he goes really small. You just, you just never know what you're going to, it's like a box of chocolates. You never mm -hmm. know what you're going to get. Um, in this film, he is a truffle hunter who lives alone in the Oregonian wilderness. And he has to return to his past in Portland because his beloved foraging pig is kidnapped. So Ooh. the pig of the title of the movie is his foraging pig that gets kidnapped. Um, if you see the trailer, which you can, it won't spoil anything, um, but it may mislead you a little bit because it comes across as looking like this film is going to be John Wick instead of, but instead of a, a dog that he's kind of revenging, it's going to be a pig. Um, <laughs> but this movie is not that. Um, and it's, and it's just, it's, it's great. It's one of my favorite films of the year. I don't wow. want to say too much about it. Um, I think Nicolas Cage is very good in it. It's the cinematography is good. There's just, there's a lot to say about it. It's, I, I recommend it. Um, it does have some violence in it though. There are mm -hmm. some, so it's not like, I guess I should say in some ways it is like John Wick. There is some like, you know, brutal violence, but it's not like extended, but there are some scenes of violence. I mean, he gets beaten up and they steal mm -hmm. his pig. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's really surprising because what you're sold in the trailer and what you think you're getting into is kind of not, not a, what ends up happening. And huh. I'll say some of the final scenes are just really impactful. Um, so that is Pig. Pig. Yes, I recommend With it. Pig starring Nicholas Cage. Nicholas Cage. And actually, uh, we discussed 
um, the film Old that had Alex Wolf playing one of the yeah. characters of the little boy when he ages at a certain point. Alex Wolf is also in Pig. So mm. he plays a uh, truffle uh, distributor guy that Nicolas Cage has a relationship with in the film. Interesting. Yeah. So, Who's the director of Pig? So it's uh, Nicholas. It's the first film I'm aware that he's at. Michael Sarnowski hmm. is uh, the director of Pig. Okay. So I think it's only his second film. Interesting. But uh, yeah, I recommend it. All right. That is Pig. That is uh, Chris's recommendation. Uh, my recommendation, I, I'm i going the easy route here, and I'm just doing kind of a call out to uh, Miss Emily Blunt. Because ah. again, I, I, I got to realize, okay, we, we've talked about her both with A Quiet Place Part 2, which mm-hmm. I thought she was good in. Agreed. Here in the Jungle Cruise, I do think she's a standout. I think she's really good. It's making me realize that, yeah, she's she's. She's got the chops. She she is really, really good to watch. She really immerses herself in her roles. I I think she's probably one of my favorite uh, currently working you know, actors uh, available. So that also calls me to go back and look at some films that she's done in the last few years. Um, and my love for In the Heights, which we reviewed several episodes ago. Yes. Made me kind of uh, get interested. She was interested not in In the Heights. What? <laughs> She wasn't in In the Heights. No, she was not in the Heights, but <laughs> Lin-Manuel Miranda was based on his music. And lo and behold, if you recall, we reviewed a film a couple of years ago that was uh, Mary Poppins Returns. Mm-hmm. Now, this is a film that I don't think has gotten enough attention and love. And okay. I think there was a lot of, this is another Disney film. So yes, I'm in the machine. I am back to <laughs> talking about Disney's been all over this episode. Disney got sued. Disney did Jungle <laughs> Cruise and I'm going to recommend a Disney film. There you go. Um, that's because you don't want to get sued. No. I, that's right. <laughs> I'm perfectly happy to, to bow down before the Disney overlords. Sure. Um, no, but I do think Mary Poppins returns was really, really good. And I think it's one that unfortunately people are not giving a lot of time and attention to because this whole idea of we don't want to remake or we don't want to try to do a sequel to beloved films that will never be as good as the original. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it probably won't be uh, for a lot of people. I personally found this one to be absolutely enjoyable and delightful. thought the music was really good. And again, we've got Lin-Manuel Miranda to some degree to think with that, as I think he was involved in the music production. I don't think he wrote all the songs, but I think he was involved to some degree, if I remember correctly. But I, I know he's so. obviously in the film as sure. Jack as a kind of a, a more evolved chimney sweep to some degree. I'm not sure his role, but it seems like what he was doing. Um <laughs> But you also have Michael uh, Ben Wishaw. You've got Emily Mortimer in this. You've even got uh, Julie Walters, Meryl Streep, Colin Firth. I mean, a lot of great performances. Sure. A lot of great music. A lot of great dance sequences. You have the director's Rob Marshall, who's done quite a few uh, musical uh, uh, films in his, in his time. So I liked it a lot. And again, I think Emily Blunt is perfect in it i mean i think she is if you can't have julie andrews coming back to play this this age version of mary poppins i think emily blunt is a 100 percent perfectly great fill-in for it and she does wonderful so again if you kind of pass on this because you just thought we well, you know it's just another disney cash grab it's just a bit another sequel this has got more going for it than just a typical hey let's revisit an old property and let's do it um as much as, I mean, you and I enjoyed Cruella. Yeah, we did. And, yeah, you, know, you have talked about Maleficent, kind of the first one the being first. good. 
but I think people still have a sour taste about Disney revisiting their old classic properties and making new movies from it. This is one I think just really stands out as it's, it's special and good on its own terms. So I'm just going to leave that out there. Okay. Uh, I think it's available on Disney plus Disney. (laughs) Disney. You got me, man. You've got me. I came out on the negative on you at the beginning of the episode and now I'm having to, Come and be positive to them at the end. So, all right. So that is our recommendations. Mary Poppins Returns and Pig. <laughs> Two somewhat different films. Yes. Okay. It could make for an interesting double feature, oh, as yeah. always. Um, so, Chris, if anybody has some questions, thoughts, comments, dialogue for us about any of these films or anything we talked about, how can they get a hold of us? You can send us an email to info at footcandle.org. You can also follow us on Twitter at footcandlefilm. Alan and I are on Letterboxd where we try to track what we're seeing and sometimes leave short reviews. I'm going to mention now the 2021 Foot Candle Film Festival that is September 22nd through the 26th. Um, that's going to be having some in-person screenings, hopefully, um, and but we'll also have online screenings for those of you that live in North Carolina. It is specifically fenced in to uh, North Carolina only, So, um, but hopefully that will allow some more people that may not be able to travel to Hickory to be at the festival or see the films. We're excited about that. Last but not least, uh, give us consider giving us a star rating, write a review, share with friends, and iTunes to help us reach new listeners. Uh, we'd appreciate it. We're also available on iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Spotify, and Pocket Cast. Yeah, lots of ways you can connect with us. And I'm actually just looking back through. I apologize. I don't think Lin-Manuel Miranda had anything to do with writing oh. the music in Mary Poppins Returns. Uh, well, he know. performs, obviously. He performs, he, he's, sure. he's singing and dancing in the film, but I don't think he wrote or composed any of those. My apologies to all the <laughs> filmmakers involved with Mary Poppins Returns for, for getting that detail wrong. So. All right. So, yes, come join us for the Foot Candle Film Festival in September. Uh, And thanks a lot for listening. We'll look forward to talking to everybody next time. See you in the ticket line. Special thanks to Carpal Tuller for the show theme music. For more about Carpal Tuller, visit www.carpaltuller.com. You've been listening to The Mesh, an online media network of shows and programs ranging from business to arts, sports to entertainment, music to community. All programs are available on the website as well as through iTunes and YouTube. Check us out online at themesh.tv. Discover other network shows and give us feedback on what you just heard.